back, back again. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one person who's back. It's me. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. <laughs> and I'm Alex. And uh, that so was... you have to say the Q line, or else I'm not going to know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right? I got there eventually. You We're know, just... you just... You you need to you need to know your cue line. It's called ad libbing. All right. Oh my god! Don't just yes and as as a theater techie (laughs) to a theater actor, don't fucking ad lib. (laughs) Give your fucking cue. All right. Find your light. Find your goddamn light. Isn't this Uh, entire podcast just improv? Like, isn't that just the point? I know, and the episodes where where I wrote out like a list of things that we were going to talk about, those were our best episodes. So those that's are something to fucking think about. Those are our best episodes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When was the so last time we did that? Like, have you five done that years recently? Ago? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't always fall on me. Sometimes other people should write a list. <laughs> yeah, but you're the stage manager. Oh my god, I'm the stage manager of fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> In this, our production of our town. Fucking hate that play. <laughs> Is that true? The one time that I saw like a good version of it, it was actually kind of interesting. This is really fucking random. Um, there was a girl in my program that was a couple of years older than me, and because I didn't go, so like a lot of people go to pre-professional programs. I did not go to a pre-professional program. Hmm. I went to a liberal arts program, which is filled with nonsense. And like an interdisciplinary studies. So anyway, but she had like a her i went to a senior thesis production of our town where the where the the cast was half college students and half uh nursing home residents mm-hmm. from the nursing home that like butt up against our college all right <laughs> and so like one of the things that they did and it was it was interesting it was an interesting study um because, like, one of the things, like, you know, it's difficult for, for older people to manipulate, you know, props and things. And so they just decided no props uh, and minimal costumes and minimal sets. And that's how they sort of, like, did things. I don't know. It was it was an interesting play. It was an interesting play. It was a really interesting senior thesis. Um, but, yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That's, all I got. <laughs> That's my our town. That's like, like everybody I feel like who does theater has like a token our town story. That is my token our town story. Is like the one time that I've seen it, um, the one time that I ever saw it was like a student production. <laughs> I I like the uh, uh, the story that one of the guys from We Hate Movies has about mm. seeing it. I think it was. Um, Michael Shannon playing the uh, p- playing the stage manager. Um, the 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 villain from Shape of Water was in a production of Our Town that he saw. What? And playing the stage manager. What? And he said that like the beginning of the play, he just like to to do the like please turn off your cell phones announcement. Michael Shannon or whoever this actor was, but I think it was Michael Shannon, uh, just came out onto stage, took out a cell phone looked at it, looked at the audience, shook his head, and then walked back off stage. <laughs> that's honestly, that is a really good way of doing that. That sounds as, bone chilling, as right? As somebody who's had to, like, especially, like, Michael Shannon. Right. 
Michael Shannon in particular doing that is very bone chilling. I think it was Michael Shannon. It was someone like that. Like it was someone yeah. who like just plays the heavy in Willem like Defoe. every movie you've ever seen. It wasn't Willem but Why Defoe. was he the stage manager? Because <laughs> it was it was our town. That's the that's the main role. I check, but I who cast him as the stage manager? I don't know. That's okay. a good. That's good casting, though. You think that's good casting? I, I mean, it's very. He's very authoritative. Yeah. So I guess I guess if that's what you're going for, uh, in your stage manager for our town, that's so weird. <laughs> that's really fucking weird. You have to recognize how weird that is. It is. <laughs> like you think that it would be somebody like you know nice and like comely and approachable for the stage manager. I've never I, seen I, our he town. He's not the so stage I don't know manager of Skin of Our Teeth. That that is a deep cut reference for theater. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, even get that one. I I don't. Know it's idea. another um. Shit, who wrote who wrote Skin of Our Teeth? It's Thornton, another one of the like great American playwrights. Thornton Wilder. Yeah, here we go. Michael Shannon is the new stage manager of NYC's Our Town. Oh my god. Uh, this was an article from February of 2010. So there you go. Uh, okay, so so Skin of Our Teeth is another Thornton Wilder play. Mm-hmm. So Thornton Wilder also wrote Our Town. Mm-hmm. It's funny because in both plays there is a stage manager. And the idea is, oh, Jesus. Um, God, okay, I'm going to nerd out for a second. So, like, he's very influenced by uh, epic theater of kind of, like, Bertolt Brechtian theme. Um, and so the idea being uh, the like, we're all familiar. <laughs> we all know. Okay. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but but like, so one of the things, and it draws off of theater of cruelty by Arto, but like the idea being, you should always recognize that you're watching a play. Um, Cause if you don't have that cognitive dissonance, then you're not going to be able to actually like grapple with the themes of the play. Right. Um, Cause it should always be like a philosophical exercise as opposed to like, some sort of, you know, getting into the mindset of a, of a character. All of this is like a very much of a reaction against realism, naturalism of the 19th century. So anyway, um, so Thornton Wilder, like just always as a fucking stage manager, but um, the stage manager for Skin of Our Teeth is very, is, is, is a much different figure. Is a much different figure than the stage manager for our town. Mm. Anyway. <coughs> Could we talk about? I'm sorry, <laughs> like completely taking over the podcast now, as oh, no. I as I am want to do. As you're want to do, uh, when we start talking about theater. I mean, as you... we said, when you are in control, we have our best episodes. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, Thank we you. said when she was organized, we had our best episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see the Brody Deschanel video YouTube video on method acting? <coughs> I did. I am. I watched it I with know, you. Yeah, I am yeah. sorry. No, I am. Well, so you guys are usually the ones that are drinking alcoholic beverages while recording. <laughs> are you just tonight. drinking straight brandy? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> That's like an alcoholic move. <laughs> Do you have a snifter at least, or are you just drinking uh, it straight out of the bottle? Okay. Wine glass. Brandy. I guess that's close oh enough. Oh my god. Oh my god. Are you drinking that out of a fucking red wine glass? It's close enough. Out of whatever no, I have. Not. Who owns Don't a fucking agree. snifter? Leave her alone. Actually, we do, bitch. Do we? <laughs> what do you think those things are? 
things are. Those things? Those are Glen Karen glasses. No, the ones on top. The one that can't roll over. The scotch glass. Oh, I guess that technically is a snifter. Yeah, yeah right. there you go. Yeah. It's not a brandy snifter. It's not like a huge brandy snifter. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry. It's no, It's no, been no, a rough good. week for, for those yeah. in the know. Um, yeah. Hence why we didn't uh, record last week. Yes. But now we're recording and we're talking about Brady Chanel. And the whole joke that I wanted to make. So Brody Deschanel does this whole video on method acting mm-hmm. and like why it's terrible and why you pretty much only see white cis men doing it. Um, but it's like, could you imagine like being on a production of Our Town and like the person playing the stage manager just goes full method? <laughs> and just becomes the actual stage just manager becomes for the, the stage play. manager. It, and then like... Don't a lot of productions actually do that though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the person, the person doing it is also the person. Actually, I was in a production of our the skin of our teeth, and um, I don't think it was the stage manager. Was she the stage manager? Maybe he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I'm like trying to remember in our production of Skin of Our Teeth if the guy playing the stage manager. I know he was the sound engineer. That seems like a logistical nightmare. Oh, f- for fucking sure. Like you should <laughs> never. You should never. Like you should never. <laughs> you should like unless you have like an assistant that is calling the cues but that's like one of the main things that you do as a stage manager is you call the cues and you're watching the play and making Mm -hmm. sure that everything runs smoothly um so it's like if you're not doing that then like what the fuck are you doing but i don't know i mean i have also like been in productions where i was the props master as well as one of the actors um i did that a couple of times actually that also sounds like a logistical nightmare, but less I, so than the stage. But it's less like if you trust, if you trust everybody and you label your prop table really well, which I did, mm-hmm. um, like obsessively, yeah. like I obsessively labeled my prop table. Um, if you can do that, then it's fine. Um, it's just a lot of like, I would go to the theater like three hours early set all of my props, then go to hair and makeup, check my props again, then go to warm up and then do the play. <laughs> and then like afterwards I would do all of my, I would take off my hair and makeup, put my costumes, do all of like the actor shit that you had to do and then stay an additional hour to make sure that all of the props were ready for the next day. Because man, that, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do community <laughs> theater. Um <laughs> Really is the moral of the story. If you're if you're gonna do professional theater, uh, if you're gonna do theater, only do professional theater, but only do it on like that level where you don't have people also doing that kind of shit uh, to cut costs and quarters. Mm-hmm. Only do Broadway is what I'm gonna say. Uh, you can do Broadway, <laughs> maybe off Broadway, some regional touring companies and Lort theaters. Anything under that is not worth your time <laughs> or money uh, or prestige. So. Here's to the theater. May it never fucking die. Um, <laughs> anyway, Broey Deschanel did a really great, uh, since that's one of the things that we talk about on this channel is various YouTube videos that we did, that we've watched. Um, Broey Deschanel does a really good takedown of the method act of the method style of acting, um, which is someone who's classically trained. It's not something that I dealt a lot with. Um, Instead, I learned how to read a fucking script, which is actually 
reading a script and controlling your body are literally the only two things that you need to do. The only two skills you need to have to be a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. That's you need to learn how to read a fucking script. You should probably take some yoga. Dramaturgy and yoga are the only two classes that you need to take to be a good actor. There. That's Pro- that's my rant. Projection somebody training. Else talk about something else. Projection training. <laughs> projection training. Ugh, fine, whatever. <laughs> Voice Look, and movement, dramaturgy, yoga. Look, you gotta End be able list. to speak directly to the back wall, okay? <laughs> I, I, you can't I, speak. I mean, I knew someone in high school theater who had such trouble projecting that when we did, like, a film project, we would have to crank his... He would scream, and we had to crank his voice up like all the way and then down whenever anyone else was speaking and the crank him back up again. Oh my God. See, you have to do the opposite for me because I'm so good at projecting that I'm just like, it sounds like I'm yelling all the time. Yeah. That's why I I set up your knobs to be so that you are quieter than Elise. And then you, and then you fuck with them when I'm not looking. In fairness, I think that mostly happened when we just put the, like put the uh, mixer away. Mm -hmm. Like the knobs just knob themselves. Yeah, sure. Whatever, Nick. Knobs do not knob themselves. <laughs> they That's do. not how that works. They do. I have, we've had that happen. We had that happen like fairly recently where we were just so quiet and we couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And then we realized it was because all the knobs had been knobbed. And I was up there last week and I should have checked. I should have checked to make sure everything's right. Hopefully things are Yeah, right. you, were, you did visit us last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hard uh, to believe it was only last weekend. It was only last weekend. It's living less than a week. Uh... Such a long week. Ah. Such a long week. Did we do anything fun this week? Well, did we <laughs> do anything any... fun this weekend? That's true. We did fun things this weekend. <laughs> we got high and watched Madeline. <laughs> uh, if you're a uh, law enforcement officer listening to this. Uh, this we fe- live in Colorado. Yeah. This happened in Colorado. <laughs> or alternatively, it fell backwards and this recording fell backwards in time. <laughs> yeah. From next month. Is it already month. decriminalized? I no, think I it's think decriminalized it's to possess, but not to consume. Oh, what? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, who would just... It is ridiculous. <laughs> what the fuck kind of sense does that make? Um, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I think the idea is like, they can still get you for public intoxication, with, but they yeah. can't get you for like marijuana possession because then that rolls into you. So callbacks uh, to our last episode where we talked about one, uh, how Virginia is becoming cool. Um, Although and... it became slightly less cool, <laughs> it became pretty pretty less cool yesterday. Yeah, uh, but one of the things that the legislature has worked to do is to calling back to the previous episode because, of course, you listen to all of our episodes in order. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. How else do you understand the continuity? How would if... you understand the continuity? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would be so lost. No, no. Start start sometime in like mid-june of 2019 don't listen to anything before that please for the love of god <laughs> <laughs> um moral of the story is they are decriminalizing weed they're gonna legalize it but it's gonna take them like two or three years to create the vbcc in the meantime they went ahead and decriminalized it um or at least decriminalized possession so that way, because part of the deal was to expunge the records, release nonviolent drug drug criminals or re, the release nonviolent drug offenders, drug offenders, um, specifically marijuana charges, to release them 
Um, and then part of, and expunge their records. And part of that is you can now no longer have people coming into the system. So for that, so they had to decriminalize marijuana for the next couple of years. Um, whether that happened June 1st or July 1st is dependent on when you listen to this episode. So, <laughs> um, there was another callback in there to a previous episode and I don't remember. Oh, we had talked about Madeline. Yes. Uh, we were going to do some investigation as to whether Madeline was racist. And the answer is probably the books, uh, but thankfully not the television show from the 90s. Mm-hmm. I thought that you said that it was racist, but in a different way from the books. Was it? It wasn't racist, but it was definitely... Pepito is like a animal abuser in the show that he isn't in the books, apparently. That's, yes. It was problematic, <laughs> but not in the way that... Not racist, are. just problematic. Uh, you can't be racist. Can you be racist against people from Spain? You can be racist against people from Spain. It's entirely possible. Really? I feel yeah. like, I feel like, I feel like they're white. <sighs> we gotta crack open the whole what is white controversy here on the podcast. <laughs> Break out the calipers, everyone. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Holy shit. Uh, let's let's not get into this one, actually. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh Pepito, who is the Spanish ambassador's son, is a real dickbag. Um in both the books and the the tv series but the tv series decided to add this other layer that he was like an analog abuser which i don't remember from books the big question was was madeline racist because in madeline's christmas which i think was actually written in the 1980s instead of the original run of the series which was written in the 40s yeah you know because france was having a normal one in the 40s yeah i mean (laughs) there wasn't much else to do it was just so quiet it was like the 40s or the 50s and the idea was it was like pre-world war ii um, but kind of like nebulous pre-World War II. So it's like, it could be the 19-teens. It could be the 1930s. We don't really fucking know. Um, but the Christmas book was written in the 1980s, not by the original author. And uh, involved a man of Arabic descent with a flying carpet that made all the girls' Christmas dreams come true. And that is not what happened in the series. In the television series, instead, it's probably mrs claus who was an unhoused person that they were super nice to but um, is it mrs claus because i got the impression that she was an angel oh maybe she was a christmas angel which made no, me the, yeah which made me wonder if because like it seemed like the the nun knew that she was an angel like was in on it so if a nun knows an angel do they have to report that to like the Pope? Is that like something that has to oh, yeah. be? I, one, I don't <laughs> think that Miss Clavel knew that she was an angel she, she, until the very end. She heavily end. implied at the end that like, oh, I know what's up. Okay, so I don't. <laughs> Explain to us asking... the theology of this, Elise. <laughs> You're asking a question that is really like 10 questions in one. And I can't really get into that without getting into some of the ways that like nuns in particular have been fucked over by the Catholic church. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, And then we also have to talk about nuns versus sisters, which is like a whole fucking thing. 
And then we have to talk about the, like, supposedly parallel, but actually, like, I don't know, subjugated hierarchical for sure. So, like, in theory, nuns and priests are supposed to be parallel, but they're really, like, nuns are very much, like, underneath the hierarchy of the priest, since priests can ascend to the popedom and nuns cannot for obvious reasons. So does she have to report it? Maybe, but because the Catholic Church is filled with bureaucracy, but at the same time, it's sort of accepted. Like, nowadays, it's very much accepted that nuns are sort of given a lot more autonomy than they were, They, which they got because of some horrific abuses from many, many priests. What? Priests abusing people? It's crazy. I don't understand. Right? Never heard of this before. So I think today in the year of our Lord 2021, Miss Clavel can do what she fucking wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the nebulous 1920s, 30s teens. Oh, there was probably some some priest breathing down her neck. Uh, uh, yeah, but I don't know. But unfortunately. like, there's also like, I don't know, like Catholics have a very weird relationship to nuns. Like I remember... I remember, like, growing up, and it was just this feeling of, like, <coughs> powers. Like, I remember, like, my friend and I were trying to leave church, and then the there was a nun from Fatima uh, in Portugal where a bunch of miracles occurred. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, coming to talk and then, like, just kind of cornered us. Not really even cornered us. Like, we were just, like, sort of leaving. And she's like, you're coming to the talk, right? And we were like, yes. You're going to sit in the front row, right? Of course, sister. And then we fucking sat in the front fucking row, didn't we? Didn't we? Because nuns just have powers. I can't explain them, but if you're Catholic or you were raised Catholic, you understand what I'm talking about. It's the penguin. You're not going to upset the penguin, are you? But that's the other thing, too. Like, okay, most nuns don't dress like penguins. No. But the one in Blues Brothers did. And the one in Madeline kind of does. That's true, too. We need to move off of this conversation, or else <laughs> we're going to be talking about Catholic theocracy. Catholic, I don't know, apologetics, something, theology, whatever the fucking, like, $10 word is that describes the, like, religion that fucked me up as a kid. We're going to be here all night. So let's, let's, let's move it on. All right. <laughs> So, Madeline, not as racist as it could be, still problematic. <laughs> Good to know. It gets the some nerds, eh. four out of five stars, not quite seal of approval. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be worse. There we go. Winner of the coveted, it could be worse awards. <laughs> there was plenty of opportunities for them to be much, much worse. Yeah, yeah. It's weird how the Christmas episode was like the second or third episode. The Christmas episode was the first episode. No, it was the first episode. It was the the first episode. And then the bad hat was the second. I don't think that's like the airing order. I think that was just the order that they happened to put it in on on Tubi, which is where we watched it. Yeah. Which also Tubi? What the hell? (laughs) Maybe it's like, um, maybe it's like Batman, the animated series where like, it aired in one order, but it was produced in another order, 
And for whatever reason, the production order, I think, is the one that um, is the one that all of currently existing versions of that show are shown in. So, like, if you get Batman the Animated Series on DVD or Blu-ray, or if you watch it on a streaming service, they have the episodes in production order, which means that two-parters are split up. And things just happen in this weird random order. It's very strange. Actually, looking at it, apparently um, what we were watching were the television specials. Okay. Uh, which which is different from the actual like series. Um, apparently it didn't include Madeline the original special, which aired huh. in 1988. Uh, and after that, Madeline's Christmas was the second one. So if they don't have the rights, I guess, to the original, they went to that one. Uh, then the third one was Madeline and the Bad Hat. Then the fourth one was the unfortunately named Madeline and the Gypsies. Um, uh, so I'm glad we didn't get to that one. Well. We didn't get to that one. Uh, Madeline's Rescue and Madeline in London. Those last two sound more familiar. Oh, uh, because Madeline in London is one of the books. That might be the reason why. Um, yeah. So that was one of the things y'all did. That was I one was, of the things. We also I was played dead to the world at that point. <laughs> we also played. Um, what was it? Al- alternative facts or, or yeah. fake, new- fake spe- news? Yeah. Speaking of, you left some of your cards here. Oh yeah. no. Which which ones did I leave? Uh, Globalist. The, yeah, Globalists. I think Facebook, and there's one other one. Uh, lawsuit. lawsuit. <laughs> do do y'all want to explain? Uh, all no the fake news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try. So the the game is played. It's a card game. It's a it's a party game. Um, and you have a, a hand of cards of like words that would be in clickbait headlines um and it goes around and you play the cards like they have to go in particular orders like you have to have some kind of cards following other kinds of cards that are like denotated with um colors and then the headline ends when you have it seems to be two nouns played um and so the goal is to be the person who has the highest scoring card in the current headline to get the points. Um, we made some that were like really damn funny. And I'm trying to remember what some of them were now. We took pictures of them. We did I take pictures of them. <laughs> um, I think some of them are on Elise's phone and the rest are on mine. Oh, I'm pulling it up. Okay. Uh, the ones that I have, <laughs> I have Trump Eats and Coulter. <laughs> and russian globalists promises drunk russia i did i did take a picture of that one uh republican fears black twitter (laughs) which honestly i think republicans do fear black yeah as they should i think that's it i think that's the one that i took a a picture of i thought there was like one or two others that we got pictures of because there were some that we got that we just saw and we're like that's just an actual headline yeah i can't remember it was one about kellyanne conway i think hmm oh kellyanne conway like being an abuser and it's like oh that actually happened yeah that did actually happen Um, (laughs) uh like 
I think there was another one. It might have been it might have been the Republican Fears Black Twitter one. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. We played a few rounds of that. Uh, Elise absolutely dominated that first game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and then yeah. you won the second one, right? I don't remember. I was getting a little high at that point. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but we had fun. Uh, yeah, so that game... The real weed was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Again, if you are a law enforcement officer, this podcast is coming to you from the future. <laughs> um, through, through a hole in space and time. Uh, yeah, we did that. Then, I don't know. Went out, played some, uh, played some games, had some food. Enjoyed ourselves. Saw some trains. Saw some Saw trains. Saw some trains. Saw some trains. Really small trains. Really very small trains. Lego trains mm-hmm. in one case. It was a train festival. What else did you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, actual trains. Thank you very much. Yeah. Listen, yeah. you got trains. I don't think you can complain. There was an actual train. One. There was an one. train. One. Parentheses. One. Close parentheses. Trains. <laughs> So if you're listening, organizers of the historic Manassas train festival. More trains. More trains. But now we're not going to get more trains because Lee Carter is lost. Yeah. 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 Unfortunate. So for those of you not in the know, Lee Carter, famed socialist of Virginia. uh, An internet shit poster. (laughs) Epic shit poster. Lost both his gubernatorial campaign and his campaign to get reelected to his delegate seat. Which I didn't even realize he was being primaried. It's yeah. really unfortunate. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. pour one out for your buddy Lee Carter. Not not literally, Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just a phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What else do we do this week? Anyone want to talk about talk about other things? Hmm. Things that don't involve us losing like one of the few socialist uh, people in the state or in the country. Um, I watched Sailor Moon Eternal, the movie on Netflix. We've been seeing the advertisements for that. How was it? Um, it's. It's a continuation of the series, so like if you haven't been watching the rest of the series, you might be a little lost. Um, I watched. If... Oh, sorry. But like, if you're caught up with with Crystal, like through all three seasons of Crystal, then it should. It's pretty good. I watched the first two seasons of Crystal. I never watched the third one. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd recommend catching up with the third one. Um... Do they introduce Pluto and um, Saturn? And yeah. Uranus? Yeah. All the all the outer planets get introduced okay. in that one, uh, and they come back, of course, to the movie. Um, there's there's a there's a scene at like the because it's broken up into two parts. So there's at the beginning of part two, all of like the outer Sailor Scouts are living together in like a house, and it's like a, a little it's like a little was that nothing. <laughs> 
And then we get to find out what happens when magic girl girls stop being polite <laughs> and start being real. Uh, but uh, God, there's an idea. That's what? a thing that someone should do. What's that? Like a faux reality series about like a superhero team or like magical girls or a Sentai squad or something like that. Like drawn together? Like drawn together, but less shitty. and like all from the same genre like they all have to be actually on a team together Mm -hmm. but the story isn't about i think i'm describing teen titans go huh isn't that just doom patrol that might just be doom no but they go and do things on doom patrol yeah well they go and do things on like have you never actually seen a season of the real world? They have to get jobs and do projects. I, I know. I, I get that. I get that. But what and they I, had to earn a vacation. I get that. But what I'm saying is, like, it, it should be focusing more on, like, just the cattiness and interpersonal conflicts. And, like, like we're being told about, like, we're this big fight downtown. And, like, we maybe see, like, three seconds of the fight. But we don't see what actually happens. We just see the thing where it's like, well, we were, I was going to try to summon the Megazord, (laughs) but Tommy wanted to do his own thing. And we see (laughs) that happen, but we don't see the actual fight itself. That's what I want. That's what I think. You want, you want someone like, you want like, uh, Batman getting pissed at like Supergirl because she took all of his almond milk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's 100% what I think someone should do. I think I'm describing Teen Titans Go. I'm not sure. Uh, Teen Titans Go is definitely a little bit of that. But there's uh, also a lot a lot of like actual adventure that happens in Teen Titans Go. That's yeah. I did I will say I I found out recently that they did a Freakazoid revival in Teen Titans Go and I am very upset that no one told me about that. <laughs> Like they even oh, got we the. Were supposed to tell you about that. <laughs> they even got the old voice actors back, except for Ed Asner. Ed Asner didn't reprise his role Aww. as Cosgrove. They had Cosgrove, but he was voiced by somebody else, and it just made me feel betrayed because they got a uh, David Warner to play the Lobe, and uh, I can't remember who actually played Freakazoid now, um, but he's been in like every cartoon you ever watched as a child. Um. And it was just like, I don't know, I watched a little bit of it and I'm like, man, this is great because it was very like, it was very much in the correct tone for Freakazoid and it made me very happy. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It was just something I stumbled across somehow the other week. I can't remember what it was. I think I was trying to find a clip from Freakazoid to put in our Discord server when we were playing Pathfinder like mm. a month ago mm. and i was like oh man this reminds me of a freakazoid thing so i'll put it in there and then i was like wait teen titans go meet freakazoid what <laughs> what <laughs> i thought it would be like a five second clip it was an entire goddamn episode oh mm-hmm. poor nicholas yeah poor me or poor nicholas anyway the poor moral man. of the story is that freakazoid should just come back that i think is <laughs> that is a that is a man whose time has come because it's all about like the internet giving you powers and also just making you a huge idiot. And I feel like in the internet the, has both given us all powers and made us all a huge I, idiots. I, I feel like that joke was like 10 years too early in the late nineties. Yeah. And I feel like now people would appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So I don't know. That was the thing we watched. But uh, but yeah. So so Sailor Moon Eternal. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It's it's good. It it spends it spends a fair amount of time on like the backstories of each of the characters. So like okay. you, you get to see like what Sailor Mercury's home life is like. And oh, you get to see, yeah. is it filled with studying and uh, having anxiety attacks? It is filled with like studying, that's... and there's some I wouldn't say anxiety, but like doubts. Um, she lives in in a her parents are divorced, uh, oh, which I didn't like. Know. Yes, I know. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I don't know, but it's they spend time seeing some of the. Uh, I don't want to call them minor characters, but a lot of the a lot of the Sailor Guardians just kind of blend into the background as you go further into the series um as you get some of like the the power players come up to the front um that's the way that it usually goes with those kinds of animes right like like yamsha just kind of disappears in dragon ball z (laughs) after a while except to get killed yeah like i'm pretty sure at this point yamsha's been killed like four or five times Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah, so I saw that. Um, I've been continuing to watch The Dragon Prince, uh, which is good, and you should watch it. Um, did we talk about that on the podcast, or did we talk about that in person? I don't know if we have talked about that on the podcast. I know we talked about it in person. Um, so Dragon Prince is a Netflix original uh, series. It came out, what, like 2018, I think? Yeah, a few yeah. years ago, but Something not like super that. long ago. Not too long ago. Um, it's, you know, it's animated series largely aimed at kids, uh, follows a, um, basically this fantasy setting of a world divided. It's weird. If every time I see the intro, like they do the whole, you know, once upon a time, the four elements lived in harmony, but everything changed in the Fire Nation attack thing. They do that like every episode, but the way it's portrayed is like the continent is divided in half. And on one side is like the elves and the magic kind of realm. The other half is the human kingdoms. And every time I keep thinking to myself, after World War II, the world is divided in two, east and west. <laughs> <laughs> this is a period of time known as the Cold War. Oh like my that. God. <laughs> Goes if... through my head every single fucking time. <sighs> Man, David Hayter needs more work that's all i'm saying <laughs> he should just show up like since they don't want him playing solid snake anymore and since konami doesn't want to make video games anymore mm-hmm. he should just show up in other things and just do the snake voice <laughs> just like he he did guyver 2 dark hero back in 1992 mm-hmm. and then he did the metal gear solid games and then he wrote a draft for one of the X-Men movies. But it's like, he just he just needs to show up in more things and mm-hmm. just be Solid Snake. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it largely, like, how do I, I can't even know how to start with talking about the plot of this. Um, the consequences of your actions catch up with you. Uh, mm. as humans are basically tr- they, humans can't normally do magic but they figured okay. out how to do black magic uh, which well, it's pretty fucked up basically it involves you having to steal the life essence of other things to do magic 
Um, usually animals, but, you know, sometimes you can get spicy. Um, and so they've tried using dark magic to help people, but it usually has unintended consequences. And usually it ends up pissing off their neighbors in Zadia, which is the land of the elves and the dragons and all the rest. Um, and they end up uh, killing the dragon king. Uh, and it's thought that they've killed the, the prince. They destroyed the egg of the dragon king. So that that's the only egg that's going to be laid ever. Uh, and there's going to be no more dragons after that. But it turns out they didn't. And uh, the uh, conniving and, and vaguely evil but sympathetic villain had actually stolen and kept the egg of the dragon prince, hence the name. Uh, and when the king's two uh, sons, or his son and his half-son, uh, are in a situation where they escape the palace during an attack, uh, they take the egg with them, along with one of the assassins from Zadia that comes to kill the king, but has a change of heart. It's it, it's a wild story. Right? This this thing, <laughs> it, I'm having trouble trying to piece it together to tell it in a coherent way. That's uh, fair. But it it has a lot of themes of like breaking cycles of of I won't say abuse, but like cycles of evil, like being better than your predecessors mm -hmm. um and trying to forge your own path and destiny uh so i'm i am in in, in, in interested in it um i've watched the first two seasons uh third season don't know what's going to happen next but i'm excited to find out it, it's a weird story in that it has that kind of oddly Miyazaki thing where like the villains you can understand that they're villains mm -hmm. but you kind of understand why they do what they do yeah mm -hmm. um like and it's the, not just uh, evil for evil's sake so just I would say a lot of like I don't know how what the case is here but I would say with Miyazaki at least mm -hmm. in in the stories where Miyazaki has villains mm -hmm. like some of them are actually villains but then like right um, like like in uh castle, in, castle the sky. in the sky yeah yeah that's the that's the like obvious example of like mm -hmm. yeah the villain in that story is actually a villain yeah or like the villain in castle of cagliostro mm -hmm. is actually a villain but like the woman in uh in princess Nasa mononoke in princess mononoke and also in nausicaa to a nausicaa list. yeah too. but I, I think princess mononoke is the better better mm -hmm. example because like She's not evil. Like she's got a lot of really positive qualities, right? She's compassionate. Like she literally cares for lepers. Like, yeah. like that's like one of her defining character traits. She is just extraordinarily misguided. Yeah. Um, and I like I like that about mm -hmm. Miyazaki. Sorry, we were talking about Miyazaki a lot the other night, and mm -hmm. I, it got me thinking about Princess Mononoke. So yeah, when you were when you said that, I was like, yeah, but. There's a lot of characters who are antagonists. Yes. In in Miyazaki films, but not villains. Mm -hmm. Like and, he does villains sometimes if he needs to, but Yeah. And and I would say that there are certain like lines that this antagonist crosses that might put him to into the realm of villainy. Yeah. But 
it always kind of shows him being very hesitant to take those choices. And it, like, yeah. he, he definitely has a moral compass somewhere in there. Um, but he ends up usually choosing wrong. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting from that perspective too. I, I know that there's a lot of crossover between this show and, um, and avatar mm-hmm. is does Dante Brasco do the voice for the villain in this one too? Cause I feel like that'd be a bridge too far. The the guy who played Zuko. Uh, I don't think so. Um, let me see. Yeah, it, it, he's too he's too like old of a character, I think, for Brasco. Mm. Um, let's see. What is the main character? Uh, character Varen, uh, played by Jason Simpson. whoever that is um but uh prince callum who's one of the protagonists is played by jack De- uh desana who played uh who played um sokka mm. i thought he i was pretty sure that sokka was in the show that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i've definitely heard about it yeah yeah uh I don't know if there's any other character, uh, any other voice actors from Avatar that are in it, but mm. I don't know if it necessarily. I don't know if it necessarily is comparable. It's comparable to Avatar. Anything is comparable to Avatar, but I don't necessarily know if it is on the same level as Avatar because it's mm. kind of shorter. Uh, it has three seasons, but each season is only nine episodes long, so it tells a much more compact story i think yeah it doesn't um, have the same room to breathe of the characters that yeah Avatar had. yeah um the way i've been watching it is three episodes at a time which is pretty decent because each three episodes is usually like a complete arc within a within a series so it's almost like watching you know three movies per season um okay and you know because i only have a limited amount of time i can't really binge things these days uh mm. so that's usually what i end up doing sometimes i'll watch six episodes if i happen to have the day off or something like that but i would i would definitely recommend it once you all get some more time because i know that's gonna happen you know you're, you're gonna get some free time uh yeah. will it will it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no I, it is it it will be it'll go on the list mm-hmm um currently we did check something off the list and are in the process of checking off something else oh since the last time we recorded we watched all of wandavision we did watch all of wandavision how is wandavision we legally and lawfully obtained access to uh to disney plus yep legally and lawfully for any um, law enforcement listening in, of course. Yeah, for, for any for any Disney Plus law enforcement listening in, <laughs> we definitely Plus. have our own login and didn't just use someone else's. Uh, do you care about spoilers? Is this going to be spoilers or no mm, spoilers? Not particularly caring about WandaVision. I I okay. tend to not really care too much about like the the, the superhero stuff. genre. That's like right. the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever. Yeah. I, I've been kind of phasing in and out of it. I've been more out of it these last few years than mm-hmm. in which, I mean, part of that, I guess, is just because they're kind of in a in a lull other than the TV series. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then but we it's like there was a very like 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 it was definitely like the end. Yeah. And I think I'll say WandaVision is the first thing that came after Endgame that I felt justified the Marvel Cinematic Universe continuing. Okay. Mm. Like, it's the first one of those. Now, granted, I didn't see the new Spider-Man movie. I don't particularly think the Spider-Man movies that they've been making are terribly good. Like, they're fine. But, like... I really like that first one. I really I, enjoyed I the thought first that one. It was fine. It was fine. And I'm not, like, I'm not shitting on any of, like, the actors or anything involved. Like, I think the actors in those movies are all well-suited. I think that uh, British Tom number three is perfectly charming. I can't remember what his name is now. Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Holland. That is what I wanted to say, but I thought I was thinking of a different person. Um, yeah, Tom Holland is perfectly charming and perfectly good as as Peter Parker and great as Spider-Man. I just... There's something about it where it's like, here we go, teenage Peter Parker. Yeah. Again. I, I mean, it feels very like, well, it's well trod. Right. Yeah. It's, it's well trod. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it sucks that like Into the Spider Verse came out. Into the Spider Verse is so goddamn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like I think, and I think that probably colored my perception a bit. Because I waited to see Homecoming, like, for a long time. Because I've been kind of in and out. And just, like, sometimes I'll see a movie and sometimes I won't. And I saw Into the Spider-Verse because I really wanted to see it. Because I love uh, Mitchell and Lord. And I thought it was fucking fantastic because it is. Um, And then then you were like, well, you should see Homecoming. So we watched Homecoming. And I'm like, it's not as good as Spider-Verse, though. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I saw Homecoming first, Mm -hmm. um, so I really, really liked it, because I think, you know, I didn't see the Andrew Garfield series. I don't think anyone saw that series. I did (laughs) see the Tobey Maguire series. See, I think those movies are better. At least the first two. I am not, I am not a super comic book person, Mm. so there were a lot of decisions that are made in the original trilogy of Spider-Man movies that i just i i just don't get like it's not my aesthetic it's not for me it's like i like them but they're a little in my opinion and they think they're a little overwrought and a little over dramatic and a little self-serious and that's why i like them and that's why you like them because you're a comic book yeah because i i like and i like that they have their own tone yeah like i think that's what makes them stand out to me is like the the tom holland movies are just more of the same like bland disney marvel slurry well they have like a kind of like the slick ironic tone of like iron man that's what i mean and they don't have the same you know kind of heart yeah but like so i watched it with somebody with a friend of mine who loves spider-man um she loves spider-man and she loves iron man so i've seen or not iron man um thor i don't even know how i got those two mixed up She's actually like Iron Man is like she she hates him. Um but like so should. I've seen like I've seen like a weird number of like Captain America and Thor movies, but not necessarily in order. It was really just like whatever ones my friend dragged me to were the ones that I ended up seeing. Um so I saw Homecoming and I genuinely really liked it. Um at the time that I saw it. Like I thought it was 
I thought they were like the I think the comedy because like I I love comedy and I think the bits in it were really well done. I love a good bit. Um Donald Glover is good in and, it. And and like, Donald Glover is very good in it. I think there were some like I think there were definitely avenues that could have been explored more. I think the stuff between him and Iron Man is a little weak. Um, like I wish it was I wish it was different. I don't know. But the, the comedy and the bits and like Donnell Glover and Tom Holland's performance, honestly, were all very, very solid. Uh, but then you see something like Into the Spider-Verse that has not just solid. It's not just solid, but it's like genuinely excels. And it's got something and, to say. And yeah, it's got, it like, has something things to say. To it has a point of view. It has an aesthetic. That isn't just yeah. get ready for the next phase right. of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which is, which is my problem with a lot of the Marvel yeah. movies is because so many of them are just like, can't wait for the next thing and it's like i paid 15 dollars yeah. to see this i would like to have a good experience and and like all that to say yeah. getting back to wandavision which is getting what we were getting back to about. wandavision the nice thing about wandavision is like it has an aesthetic mm-hmm. it kind of has something to say how well that thing gets said is sort of it gets i think muddled, towards I think, the last the... few episodes it gets a little heavy-handed and it gets a little bit like it does that get excited for the next thing because yeah. they start planting seeds for the next thing for that's going to happen. Yeah. But like the first five or six episodes, I think are fucking fantastic. I like, really, so the things that I really love about WandaVision and the things that I don't care for. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about WandaVision is the first six episodes go through like the history of sitcoms. Okay. And I'm, a, I'm somebody that, fucking love sitcoms so this is like <laughs> this is my shit right? right like we go to the 50s and then we have with like the 1950s bewitched and then we have the 1960s and then they go into the 70s and they each episode is a different decade of sitcoms and you can see all the different threads that they're pulling from mm-hmm. so like the 90s episode is very much inspired by malcolm in the middle which i think is a super underrated sitcom um the 2000s is unfortunately inspired by modern, modern family, family which is a little like black but also i could see makes sense it makes sense it makes sense it's a disney property it makes sense was um, it not coming in the so middle of the 2000s what yeah, like late 90s early 2000s late 90s early uh, the the modern family began in the late 2000s um and went through the 20s malcolm in the middle is late 90s. malcolm in the middle i think uh, internet is telling me it started in january of 2000 and it ran for seven seasons okay well it, january of 2000s means that it 2000 means that it was filmed in the late 90s fair fair enough um so so that's why it has that very it has a very 90s aesthetic in the beginning mm-hmm. um is the moral of that story so uh that's really cool the stuff that they do with sword is interesting ish um but the the complaint that I okay so a lot of people it was funny because I was watching it and you know there are uh, friends of ours that had had seen the entire series as it was coming out and they were sort of interested and apparently like one of the big complaints about WandaVision is like oh if it wasn't for COVID it could have done so much better and I was like no MCU doesn't know how to do an ending yeah because it doesn't end it just continues because it doesn't end it just, it just has to. F- it has to plant the seed for the next thing. Yeah. Like every Somebody time. started filming it, not knowing. How yeah. To do it. 
I well, here's well, here's wait, my can problem. I say, yeah, go ahead. Can I, sorry. My, can I finish my thought yeah, yeah, first before we move on to the next one? So one of my one of my things about about the ending of WandaVision, a lot of people complained like, oh, you know, it sucks because of COVID. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like this is a consistent problem that you have through the MCU because they don't they don't end things because it always just has to continue because they're always just setting up for the next thing. Um and like it just it it's not that it it's not that COVID affected the filming. It's that COVID lays a lot of the problems bare mm-hmm. that the MCU often uses things like talented actors and CGI and like a cast of thousands to cover up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't have those things, percent. it kind of lays all of the problems of the MCU very bare, mm-hmm. um, which is that the people that write are writing it. Like unless you're getting a true auteur, someone like, Taiki Watiti, um, working on Thor Ragnarok, or the Gun Brothers working on Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. None of the none of the writing is very good. Yeah, <laughs> and so it just becomes very obvious that it's like, oh, the writing just really sucks, <laughs> and everybody's like, no, it's because of COVID. It's because they had to stay six feet apart and they couldn't use all these people. And I'm like, no, 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 no. like it is it's because the writing sucks for like 90% of the MCU. I'm going to tweak that slightly. Okay. I don't think the writing sucks. I think the writing in WandaVision is actually really solid. Well, for this first six episodes. Well, okay. So, but here's, here's what I was going to say. Here's, here's what I, here's what I mean by that. The idea of taking a science fantasy dark comedy like deep dive into the process of grief that's really creative and that's really good yeah um and if that's all of what the show was 10 out of 10 yeah that'd be great um but because it's the MCU and because they have to set up other things and get you excited for the next property, it can't just be that like WandaVision, I think would have been a million times better if the actual antagonist was just Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. Because, like, she's a really complicated character. And, like, they did shit all with her in all of the movies leading up to it. Yeah. And and the actress who plays her is really genuinely good. talented. Genuinely talented actress. And she does a great job in this show. And then in the last two or three episodes, they're like, oh, this, like, comic relief character is the actual villain of the series. And now we're going to, the last episode's going to be a fight. Yeah. And... And they're going to fight each other and it's going to be this big magical battle. And it's like, but I I don't care <laughs> about that. There's no reason for me to care about that. The thing that I care about is that Wanda has lost everyone in her life up to this point. And so she is secluding into this fantasy world that she's created for herself. And she's hurting all these other people around her as a result of that, including the people that she's grieving for. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I want you to like follow through with that instead of just making it. Now we can call her the Scarlet Witch because we bought Fox and now she's going to have a fight. Like, so the, 
the problem, really the, the larger problem to call back to the top of the episode when we were talking about theater, mm-hmm. an exploration of someone's grief is a very theatrical idea. Mm-hmm. Um, taking this sort of inner, the, taking, taking a deep dive into the inner psyche of somebody and how they, they experience grief and how they then come to terms with it that's something that's really cool. It's very theatrical because it can provide you a great sense of catharsis, right? Especially if you have like been drawn in. And I think um, Elizabeth Olsen is really good at this of, of drawing you in to experience the cathartic, a cathartic release for a character. And that's a really beautiful and interesting idea, right? It's very theatrical. So on the one hand, you have that, but if that's going to work, then your characters need to have clear objectives and they need to have opportunities to then achieve those objectives because that's how writing for the theater works, Mm -hmm. right? Then you have writing for cinema, which draws on these ideas. So characters have objectives. They need to have opportunities to meet those objectives. But a lot of cinema introduces clocks, um, because of the conventions of cinema, you have to have, you're only allotted so much time. So therefore there needs to be some kind of clock as to like, we need to hurry up and get to this cathartic moment or else this other thing's going to happen. And you don't have that in theater as much because we don't have the same kind of timeline. We're not necessarily working in the same kind of timeline and we don't have the same expectations. So you have this very theatrical idea, then you have this very cinematic idea, and then you have the functional needs of television, Hmm. which is very episodic. And so you have a more, um, you have a different, you have essentially a very different plot structure that's much more, it's considered Ovidian um, in structure because of its episodic nature and you don't have those same kind of crashes like peaks and valleys that you would have in a linear storytelling fashion in in theater and cinema. Mm -hmm. The problem with WandaVision is you're taking all three of these very different writing conventions and you're shoving them together into one piece. And as a result, none of the three pieces end up, end up getting their needs served in a meaningful way. I, I hear what you're saying. And I think that that's really insightful. Um, and I think there's a lot to that. But my thing is that I think that they would work better if we just didn't have, like, the fight shit at the end. Because, yeah, but like, that's the clock, right? And right. that's, like, but it doesn't the, need what to people be. are expecting. You have this, like, expectation of, like, I I think, I think, and now you have, like, the metatextual, metatextual right. needs of, like, we have to make money. We have to, like, we have to please the Mausian stockholders but what and I'm, people are are going to be upset if they don't get a big fucking fight at the end because it's an mcu what i'm saying is the clock already existed by the conceit of the show yeah which is wanda maximoff has taken account a town hostage yeah to fulfill her own needs like we need to save these like six thousand or however many people live in this small town in new jersey yeah they need to be rescued and the way that they need to be rescued is for you know, Wanda to cope with her trauma. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like throwing the fight in at the end as the means like of like, and I get 
and that and that's like the limits of the MCU, right? Right. Because it's because it's a superhero story, right? You gotta have the fight. Yeah. But like, I don't know. We're we still haven't finished Doom Patrol, and we need to go back to it. But I feel like that's what makes Doom Patrol so great is like the fight parts feel like a natural extension of how kind of fucked up the characters are. Well, because the fights are a means of the, char- the characters achieving their objectives. Right. When like, it feels Wanda like Wanda achieves nothing through that fight, through other that than fight. now we can call her Scarlet yeah. Witch because we bought it Fox. Doesn't, it doesn't help her achieve her objective right. to work through her grief about Vision. Right. Yes. That right? absolutely. Like, it, and, there's and that's a, the problem with the fight. Yeah. That, and that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. it just no, it, I get you. it doesn't it doesn't you. work. Like it would work so much better if it was just like, well, it's Wanda and Sword. Or it's Wanda and Sword and um the other character whose name I'm blanking on, who who's also apparently like they're setting up to be another superhero. Yeah. She was apparently influent important in Captain Marvel, which is one of the ones we haven't seen yet. Um but like that that's way more interesting, right? Yeah. We've got Wanda on one side like coping with her grief and causing all this other trouble. We've got sword on the other side, both trying to rescue the people in the town and also secret objective of like trying to uh, rebuild the vision. Yeah. And then we have this other woman in the middle who's like trying to keep both sides from destroying each other. Yeah. Like that's what that show should have been adding in another antagonist right at the end like just muddies all of that. Well, and I think, and I think a lot of that was also done to a certain, like, and it's really ironic, right? Because like the flagship character was Iron Man. Right. They have, the MCU has this compulsion to keep any of their like big hero types from having any sort of gray area. Mm-hmm. which is yeah. weird because they give a lot of lip service to it right? right they provide a lot of lip service but at the end of the day tony stark sacrifices himself is a christ figure who sacrifices himself for like the good of the of good of salvation right like and and like, like star lord's a uh a man child but his heart's is is in, in the, the right, right place. place like and, and thor you know like you ditto thor like you could say the same thing about thor and so because of that it's like they don't because they can't just allow their characters and fucking wanda maximoff is not allowed to live in a gray area Mm -hmm. just feels like a real disservice of her character's origins not that i know like a fuck ton but from everything that i've kind of gathered and garnered it's like that seems really particularly shitty to her and really disingenuous to her character of like no we have to absolve wanda of any wrongdoing right yeah she's just a girl in love she can't be held responsible for her actions it's like callback joke to crazy (laughs) ex-girlfriend but um so so because like they can't that's why we have to like introduce the real antagonist Who's a literal witch? Can we talk about that? She's a literal witch, and they used Salem in imagery, and it's like all of those women who were just victims of the fucking patriarchy. And it's just like fuck off. <coughs> the fact, like when they started introducing like Salem witches, I was like, this is. I'm gonna flip a fucking table. This is <laughs> this is unearned, unearned. Um, you know. But then it's like I think a Secret lot of people would have felt, Sabrina. yeah. <laughs> 
but like i feel like god i wish that would have been that would have been way better <laughs> but i i feel like um i so i feel like the complaint would have been from a lot of people who do like the mcu um would have been oh it's anticlimactic because the only way that you could have written the res- the the resolution of that conflict would have been for like Wanda Maximoff and then the the sword agent the woman sword agent to have some sort of like beautiful coming together mm-hmm. um that's the only way that's the only way that could have ended you, you could have we helped. can't have just like two women seeking strength from one another and like that would be so anticlimactic that like even though I think it's very earned within the text, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would have bitched, mm-hmm. and that's why we had to have like the big stupid fight. Like you, I'm you sure could've... there's like a first draft. I'm sure there's some sort of first draft mm-hmm. where like the resolution was actually like a hug, and then somebody <laughs> was like, "Get the fuck out of here with this shit." <laughs> also, bring me my cocaine. <laughs> like, what if? What if? And just hear me out. If you have to keep a fight. But you want to keep it more like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm talking yeah. about my ass. But maybe have it like a representation of an internal struggle. Like here is you know my id fighting against my super ego kind of thing. Like maybe that's like and overdone that, like, to shit. But yeah, you could have done a really cool thing with that, where mm-hmm. like she then has to fight all of the different like avatars from the various sitcoms that she created. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that would have been. That that yes yes I think that totally could have done could, that you could have gone there to, to, you totally could have gone like weird like psychedelic Jack Kirby nineteen sixties bullshit yeah that would have been fucking fantastic and I think it would have been earned within the aesthetic oh yeah one hundred percent show as well one hundred percent like that's kind of what I'm yeah. saying with that like, yeah and and I think the the thing that like makes it feel so out of place for me is that the theme of the show as we've been saying is it's about grief and about moving on past grief and the one line that like everyone's been quoting from it is like what is grief but love continuing like and and that's like that's what the show is about that's what the show is about um, but that last episode but the last episode's not because what is that last what is that fight about what is the thing that every other episode's like a 30 minute episode this last episode is like a 45 minute episode most of it is this fight and what is the fight about I don't think that you deserve your powers. You should give me your powers. But that's not what the rest of the show's about. Yeah. It doesn't make So like why did you like why did you introduce that antagonist that has nothing to do with the objective? Yeah, someone of who the just characters? just fucking happens to be there when yeah. all of this happens and has just been kind of sitting in the background this entire time. Yeah. And then like finally is just like, now I'm gonna do stuff about it. Like it, it just Right. It feels unearned. I think that's the best word for it. Um, and then they, of course, they have to dangle all these other plot threads, but it's like, no, 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 come back here. Cause those plot threads that you dangled are the actual resolution to what happens here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like you introduced this idea that now there's this other person around who basically is the vision. And then he flies away but the whole thing about this is that she doesn't know how to move on after Vision's dead, but now he's not dead. And we don't see him again. Yeah. It's like, well, where did where did he go? Well, what happened there? 
And the whole way that you dealt with the villain was that you were going to like trap her in this alternate reality, but then the alternate reality goes away at the end of the episode. So it's like, well, what happens to her? Like, like what, what, like none of the things that would actually resolve the story are told within the story. They're set up for like the next thing, like five years down the line or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, who knows when we're actually going to get a resolution to that. And that's the other, that's the thing that's like stressful. Cause it's like, well, I, I invested, like I really didn't give a shit about when like Wanda and vision. Yeah. Prior to this series. And now that I've watched this series, I'm like, wow, they have a really beautiful love story. Oh, well, (laughs) guess it'll be another five years before I find out how this ends. And you know what? If they didn't introduce that other aspect of it, I think it would have been stronger if they had just fucking killed him off. If they had just, yeah, if they had left it like one way or the other. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, they, they like, well, maybe. And then like, yeah, he just flies away and it's like, where does he fly off to? What's he doing? We don't know. Is he really the vision now? Like, or is he just like some other thing? Like completely left unanswered, completely left unanswered. Mm. Anyway, it's fine. Like it's, it, it's the weaknesses of this are the weaknesses of everything in the MCU. And I think the stronger parts of WandaVision are stronger than the average stuff in the MCU. So I think ultimately it balances out to be pretty good. Um, like probably one of the better things that the MCU has put out, honestly, mm-hmm. um, just because the the core concept is so interesting and it's like, it's the first fucking thing that they've put out that had a female lead. So yeah. that that's something. Well, except for Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, that's true. I always forget Captain Marvel know, exists because I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, but it's like, and it's, it's very, it's very unique in the aesthetic and like, which is again something that is very lacking in the MCU. Um, most of it does not revolve around superheroics like at all. It's kind of set up to be sort of like a, a like a mystery for the first little bit, which I think kind of got lost on us because we were binging yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for like the people who were watching it when it was coming out week by week, were like very engaged in like what's actually happening here? Who's responsible? Whereas like us watching it, it was like pretty obvious straight yeah. away. Like the only thing that was surprising was the, was the, was the heel turn for one of the marginal characters at the very end, which has been spoiled for you because of memes. Yeah. So, mm. um, but yeah, God, they really just should have cut that entire. And that's the other thing too. The MCU has like an obsession with stingers an obsession with like heel turns. And so because of that, and it's like, we really didn't need it in this series. Well, not even I think just... this series is stronger without it. Yeah. I would agree with that, but it's like the memes. We got to have a baby Yoda moment. <laughs> Which was also, now that we finished that, we've also started the Mandalorian. I think, I don't know. I, I'm really liking the Mandalorian. Oh, you started the Mandalorian. First... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the episode that we just watched where they're at the farm. Yeah. And that was like really well done. And I was like, that was a nice, which one, which one was that? episode. That's the episode. Uh, I forget what the one like ATST that's like, Oh, right. Yeah. They, they basically just do Shane, but in star Wars, which is yeah. pretty, pretty <laughs> kind fucking of a neat good. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
The whole thing's a fucking Western. You might as well, you know, Star Wars is a Western in space. Yeah, well, Well, there's there's Western elements in Star Wars, but the Mandalorian is, like, more Western than any other thing. Like, there's been, like, little things. Like, Han Solo is kind of a Western character thrown into a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And, like, what makes the Mandalorian so interesting is it's just like, no, we're just going full Western. Yeah. We've got we've got the wandering lone gunman. Yeah. yeah. We've we've got the lone wolf and cub, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. in 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 Star Wars. And it's like that's that's a great elevator pitch. Um yeah. and it it totally works. It totally works. Um I'm glad you finally got to it. Yeah, I'm glad I finally got to it too. I'm liking it better than WandaVision, I'll say that. <laughs> um and I and I liked like I said for the most part I thought Wandavision was great until like the very end. Um, yeah, no, uh, Mandalorian's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to finishing the rest of the series. We're about like halfway through the first series right now, first season. Um, and so we'll have that in another season to go through. Mm-hmm. I've less to say about it at this point since we haven't watched the whole thing, but that's fair. Yeah. Sur- surprise like man the mandalorian is good <laughs> like <laughs> i'm glad well i know the rumors that you're- are true nick i know you're known for your like controversial opinion so i'm glad that you at least agree with me that the mandalorian is good <laughs> i don't think my opinions are usually that controversial uh, sometimes Some- i know sometimes i can get i mm-hmm. i can get like nitpicky or like mm-hmm. um uh i I don't know like i don't know controversial but maybe like uh uh argumentative Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's go with (laughs) um but no i think it's good i i think i think it's pretty solid there was one thing that i was like in like the very first episode that i got very nitpicky about and I can't remember. Oh, I remember what it was. It was the fucking um, carbon freezing chamber in his in his ship. Ah, right. That that was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But that was like the only thing so far where I'm just like, mm, actually, mm. <laughs> Elise has been asking me a lot of questions about the extended universe, and I'm like, I don't know. This stuff went out of like all the stuff that I know about the extended universe went out of canon like ten years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know shit all about like what Disney's kept in. So she's like, well, what are Mandalorians? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Um. (laughs) Well, so like, this is my frustration. And this is, I feel like the reason why I I never, I never was as into like um, fandoms that are primarily based off of films as opposed to fandoms that are primarily based off of books. Mm -hmm. Um. Because it's like, that's something that you can throw in as like 30 pages in a book and yeah. be like, this is the history of the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. This is 30 pages about a fucking tree because Tolkien. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's like, there's all of these things. And the thing about the Mandalorian that I, the one thing about the Mandalorian that I don't like is I feel like I should know all of these things. And as somebody who's just watched the movies, it's like, mm-hmm. Well, where would I have gotten this information except to ask my idiot husband? I mean, my (laughs) lovely husband, who I love so much, who's just a big fucking nerd. So as someone who has also not, like, consumed a lot of Star Wars media outside of the films, I agree. There there are some things, like, 
some of my friends who've seen the Clone Wars television show. Like there are things that do get called back to that, but I didn't notice them. Like it's not like I'm missing yeah. anything because I'm not picking up the references. Um, and all the information about Mandalorians that you need to know eventually does get yeah. introduced. I, I kind of but... figure that it would because again, like what what you're talking about, Elise, that stuff existed. In the 1990s and the early 2000s, there were a shitload of Star Wars books that would tell you every goddamn thing that you wanted to know about Mandalorian. No, no, this is what I'm saying. And I read, I didn't read a lot of that stuff. I read a fair amount of it. Like, I read the big ones. Um, Like, in terms of extended universe stuff. Like, I read Truce at Bakura and I, Jedi, and uh, the Admiral Thrawn trilogy and tales of the bounty hunter like i read a lot of that stuff and then i played the ones that like most of the the stuff about mandalorians that i know comes from the the knights of the old republic video games now all of those pockets? things hmm? what did you know i didn't hear you i say. said pockets pockets yeah pockets now all of those things that i just mentioned are now i don't think any of them are technically canon anymore they they brought admiral thrawn back as a character he exists again but those books never fucking happened and so now it's just like like i don't know like i know what was true about mandalorians like before disney bought star wars and threw all those things away Mm -hmm. like i knew a lot of the stuff about mandalorians then yeah, they, but like the stuff that, that that's that they're doing now, I don't know. Yeah, the the place to go to find out more about Mandalorians is one of the seasons of Clone Wars. Apparently, mm. they spend a fair amount of time on Mandalore with the Mandalorians in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I never yeah, watched it. I I'm not going to do it either. I don't yeah. really care enough to go and watch what twelve episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, but if if you want to know more like to your heart's content about the history and society of the Mandalorians. It's not that I want to know more. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like the TV show is implying that I should know more. Yeah. Because of how little information and how slowly Mm -hmm. the drip feed of information is, Mm -hmm. it feels like, I don't know. Like, like it feels is, like do you have was, a specific like, you're example? not a true fan. Yeah. I, I, I hate that kind of, like, that kind of no, mindset. But I feel like that's, that's like how the show was, is kind of filmed. Right. Like there were several parts when they were making the, they were making the, the armor that I was like, well, why are they making the armor? Why is this thing? Why are we getting this flashback? And like, why did they fight? Why do they keep saying this is the way? And it's like, the the drip feed of information about the Mandalorians mm-hmm. is so goddamn slow now, that it's like I I start to lose interest in the overall show because of it. Now, what I will say, because you're not interested in in like watching the Clone Wars and seeing about that, what I will say is that what we see about the Mandalorian Mando's like take on being a Mandalorian, uh huh is actually different from what the Clone Wars shows, and that's a plot point. 
So okay. even people that have seen that, even people that have seen the Clone Wars going into this are like, what the fuck is he talking about? Why is he doing this? Why can't he show his face? Why does he say yeah. this is the way all the time? A lot of that is still a mystery for them too. And okay. it does get kind of explored by the end of the, the, at the season and especially by the end of season two. Okay. Um, so keep with it. You're, you're on episode four of eight um or something along those lines so i just i feel like watching television should not be mm-hmm. this difficult <laughs> is it difficult and it's like and i feel like if if it's like no you got to stick with it or like oh and i'm like no you're like well then 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 you wrote it wrong well uh, then you fucking it... wrote it wrong like what what is it like, what is it that you want to know what is it that you're you I mean, want I to think, know like like alex was saying i think yeah. some of this stuff is being purposefully left as like this is going to be character development. Like, remember this stuff. But there's no fight. Like, oh my God. But they're so, it's Star Wars. So they're all just one dimensional caricatures. Are they? I so, don't, like... I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Okay. I, I, I just, you know, I just, mm, this is. Like, I'm not going to say that, like, every know. character in Star Wars is, like, this really, like, fleshed out character. But generally speaking, like, the main characters have some depth to them by the ends of their arcs. Like, if you're looking at Luke Skywalker just as he exists in Empire, like, or in Return of the Jedi, or not Return of the Jedi, in, uh, in, in New, New Hope, Hope. then yeah. you could just say, yeah, you could say that about it. But like, it was whoa he's so whiny he's one-dimensional little farm boy yeah he doesn't even use the laser sword at any point in that movie. Well, but no like, but it's like it... but what i'm saying where, is whereas you have in wandavision you have a lot of different conflicting writing styles that are all trying to say something deeply important mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like a lot of Star Wars crumbles under its simplicity. Mm-hmm. I. It's like, why, like, like a lot of, there's just, there's too many throwaway lines that I'm like, wait, hold up a minute. Like, mm-hmm. you just, you just said something that is like pungent with backstory, but we got to move on to the next laser fight. <laughs> like. Elise, one of your favorite phantoms is Lord of the Rings. That's like half Everyone of what Lord of the Rings should is. give me 30 fucking pages so I know why that tree is important. Damn Look, it. This isn't, this isn't, what is it? Why um, can't everything be like Lord I, of the Rings? It isn't Les Miserables where we're going to yeah. spend 30 pages talking about the history of the Paris sewers, okay? That's not I, what we're going to do I, I, in the Mandalorian. I'm not saying that everything has to be like that, but it's like there's, there is a balance. There is a balance. Uh-huh. And I feel like a lot of these things, I think because because throwaway lines are cheeky and fun and get people to keep watching that serves the purpose of television that serves the purpose of the stakeholders. It's like, I think writers get like way too happy with them and throw them around all the fucking time. And it's like, hold up a minute. But like, if I'm like watching this, I'm, I get very frustrated when they're Mm -hmm. like, 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 why does it have to be like this fucking i don't know but like i think like, like you... just like the, the the whole the whole scene that they have uh when he goes and like drops off the baby yoda mm-hmm. um 
and they have there's like a bunch of things in there and it's also like and there's well, a if the empire's over why do you have a uh, why do you have a a stormtrooper who the fuck are you working for and it's like give me baby yoda and go away i mean like it's just it's so and i'm like I but me as the audience i feel like i deserve to know oh, a little bit more about I, what the fuck is going I, on there are two things there are two things here okay really three Okay. Um, so you're saying like the thing about the tree with Lord of the Rings, going back to that, I'm not talking about like when Tolkien like describes the history of a tree for 10 pages, I'm talking about like where he puts the word Eru Iluvatar into like a single poem okay. and it's like, well, what the fuck is that? And then you look into the backstory, it's like, oh, the single most important entity in like this entire yeah. universe. And there's a whole nother book. I yeah, know, and there's a I'm whole other TV show that you could watch, but you're choosing yeah. not to. Okay, A. That's A. B. The the whole like vibe that this story is giving off is the story of like he's the mysterious gunslinger who rolls into town and solves all their problems. And it's like, there are hints to his backstory, but what is it? The difference between this story and those stories though, is that I'm pretty sure at some point we will actually understand his mysterious backstory because like everything about the show is going towards, Oh, he's going to realize something about himself and his place within his own culture, which means the culture is going to be further explained and his backstory is going to be further explained. But at this point, they're just establishing what's happening. Um, and then finally, like the, the whole, like, well, some of these things are just kind of like mysterious. Like, why do you have stormtroopers? It's like, again, we're not, I don't think we're supposed to really know who the buyer is, who the client is, really. Like, the every impl implication is that he is working for what remains of the Empire. Whether he's working there in an official capacity or if he's like a regional governor who's just like gone into the underworld and desperately trying to cling on to like the last vestiges of power. Like, we don't know. And Mando doesn't know either. Mando just knows that he's the client, right? Like, that's the whole thing. And then he's developing this conscience of, well, sometimes, you know, maybe I shouldn't listen to the client because there are higher morals at stake here. The customer isn't always yeah, right. The customer isn't always right. <laughs> That's the moral of That's the Mandalorian. That's the moral of Mandalorian. <laughs> and I feel like it's an important lesson for everyone in the service industry to learn mm -hmm. is that sometimes when someone's being a dick, you just need to go in there and shoot up the place. Satire, <laughs> parody. On that note, I think we got to wrap it up. All right. Ah. Uh, all right. Well, if if you want to, yeah, we're we're getting on uh, ninety minutes. So, uh, thank you all for for listening. Uh, my name is Alex. Hey. I'm Elise. And we've been some nerds of a podcast. You'll have a wonderful night. <laughs>